Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Merge Medical Podcast. Very excited about the lineup we have today. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Jeff Cole, Dr. Greg Goldmacher, and Ronak Vias. Dr. Goldmacher and Ronak are the co-founders of MedcoShare. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Thanks for, having, for having us. Yeah. Tell us about MedcoShare. It's turnkey medical spaces. Uh, we're based in Philadelphia, and the premise is the ability for private practice physicians and other people in health and wellness to be able to rent rooms part-time or full-time. So it's a flexible basis. Um, it's also month to month. And that's very different than the traditional model, which is, you know, you go and you buy the real estate or you enter into a long-term lease with landlords. And I assume you're, you're, you're trying to attack a problem uh, and a market opportunity. How can you uh, can dive into that a little bit, even with your sure. new local market? Yeah, so so let, I guess let me the, the in the big picture the market opportunity the problem is this. We all know medical care is changing and how medicine is practiced is changing and there's a lot of healthcare providers who are really unhappy. Um, and if you look at so there was a, a large Medscape survey done a couple of years ago that showed a lot of unhappiness with physicians um, with their their kind of their current career their current work life balance etc. And when they asked, what is the thing you'd want the most of? What are you lacking? The mm -hmm. biggest answers were autonomy and flexibility. Mm -hmm. That's that's what providers yeah. want in their, in their career that they're not getting. And one of the biggest reasons why that's the case is it's really hard to launch your own practice. Or if you have your own practice, it's really hard to do things like, you know, lots of people would like to be able to, for example, work part time you know, it, different parts of your career, you know, you're building a practice or you're moving towards retirement or you're taking time for family life and you want to work part-time or in the, you know, now, you know, with the growth of telehealth, right? A lot of folks have, you would like to be able to do like a fusion practice where, you know, you mostly see patients face-to-face, -face, but, you know, I can't take a biopsy over Zoom, right? Or I can't do a minor procedure or to examine the patient. Some patients just want to see their doctor in person. So sometimes you need part-time. You'd like to have space maybe one or two days a week, you know, and see your patients by telehealth the rest of the time. But that's basically impossible to do with traditional office leasing, right? Because you're, you're signing up for a space, you're signing a long lease, it's expensive. You can't, you can't use it part-time. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, th that's, that's something that really stands in the way of being able to um, practice flexibly. Um, and, and again, you know, if, or on your own, if, you know, if you're not, if you're, uh, if you want to remain independent rather than be part of a big group or be an employee, that's really hard to do. So that's the problem we're trying to solve. You know, doctors are unhappy. Um, I get, so, you know, I've gone over into clinical research from doing medical, direct medical care. And I get calls constantly from former colleagues, you know, friends I have in medicine saying, oh, man, I'm not happy. How do I get out of this? Yeah. yeah um, How is it different than just like timeshare? Because I was looking at the website and there's a little you guys offer a, a, quite a few more things than just, you know, an exam table one day a week and so forth. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So we launched. Um, additional services to help support the practices. So the real estate, you know, only solves one portion of the problem. The other, right. you know, the other part is 
uh, staffing and just the administrative burden of running a private practice. Right. The more we can support, you know, that infrastructure, uh, the better it is for for them and also for us as well. So the big picture is that, you know, we want to become a private practice accelerator. And the only way to do that is to offer all the services that the docs need to be able to run their practice. So I guess let me add to that by saying that, you know, so the, the basic kind of, you know, you come in and you can start seeing patients with exam rooms, basic supplies, basic diagnostic equipment, uh, uh, you know, medical waste removal, kind of basic support. Mm-hmm. But then, as, as Ronak says, you know, to really support a practice, what, you know, all, there's lots of other needs that a practice has. So what we're already providing is staffing, medical assistance, admins, uh, and practice marketing. Oh, wow. Um, You're doing the marketing as well. Yeah. So, you know, website development, social media. And, of course, as we grow, as the network grows, there's also sort of the, the built-in marketing of kind of internal referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, yes. You know, but, but, you know, so for example, just to give you an example in, in uh, our Marlton location, we've got podiatry, we've got cardiology. I'm mm-hmm. really trying to get an endocrinologist in there, right? Because of course they're connected through diabetes patients, but, Absolutely. but, but, you know, and, and then we, you know, Ronak, I, I think you have a, a story recently, don't you of uh, somebody who came in and, you know, basically came in for to see one practice yeah. and became immediately in referral, internal referral to two other practices in this space. Uh, yeah. What was um, interesting about that? So our new location is in King of Prussia and a patient came in um, because she had an appointment with uh, one of the providers. And then she saw the brochures for all the other providers that are in the space. And in that same day, she ended up seeing three different docs. That's a, that's that's kind of <laughs> funny. I mean, really. But that's cool for the patients. It is. Patients and it's cool for the providers, right? Because you got a community of practice, you got an internal referral network, you got support. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and yeah, and then like I I said, we have, you know, this sort of marketing support. And eventually what we'd like to do is, you know, EHR support, practice management, billing and scheduling, kind of a more complete practice management package. Um, And as a, you know, obviously the more we grow as a business, the more that we can sort of scale that and make that more effective. Mm-hmm. There may. What is your strategy there? Because I mean, there may be some other companies out there, even startups, that are. It seems like they have that piece that could sit on top of your real estate foundation. Any- right. So we could start with partnerships until we bring things in house, um, and we've already started that process where, you know, we'll vet at different, you know, EHR companies, um, billing and scheduling, same thing. Um, eventually, you know, as we grow the more we can just bring everything uh, under one roof, the better it is uh, for us and for the docs, just because we can kind of control, um, you know, the quality uh, of all the different services. But for us, you know, we wanted to start with the premise that, let, you know, let's solve the one problem for first, which is real estate. And then as we grow and as the, the membership grows, we can start tackling the other problems one by one. But to, I guess to add to that, the, the nice thing is that services, so, services are both a higher margin business. Now, like thinking this from the business perspective, they're a higher margin business. They're also the moat, right? So as that, that makes it not just, you know, a space that anybody can, you know, yeah. rent a space, hang up a sign, but this makes it sort of a unique value proposition um, that is harder to replicate. So how, Greg, how far are you away? 
how far away is MedcoShare from making this something that's a turnkey platform where a clinician can walk in, just do the clinical side of things and walk out on a one day a week basis or whatever the arrangement is. So, I mean, we have a lot of providers who do that now. The, the, it's, the, the challenges here are that those tend to, so most of them are tend to be cash pay type practices mm-hmm. rather than insurance billers. I mean, mm-hmm. Ronak, you know, feel free to jump in here. I, I, when you say how far away, Jeff, do you mean like in terms of time? Because like I said, we have yeah. people who walk in, see their patients and walk out. They're not, you know, they're, they're not doing insurance billing mostly. Yeah. Although now there are patients. So Ronak, what about the, the other providers, let's say in Marlton, some of them are doing insurance billing, right? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, in terms of bringing everything in house for us, I think we're fundraising, you know, one, one fundraise away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is we've been growing organically and we haven't raised a lot of money, you know, to date. And, uh, so we're very strategic about when we launch things, mm-hmm. but you know, with the next fundraise, we're, we will definitely double down on our services division, mm-hmm. um, possibly even more so than just opening retail locations. Yeah, I think we can all agree that what's made medicine bad is the paperwork, the bureaucracy, <laughs> the administrative part of it that we all have to go through now. Even as an anesthesiologist in the OR, in ten years' time, it's become. Like we all enjoy taking care of patients. That's why we went to medical school, right? Mm-hmm. So if if some entity such as MedcoShare came up with a system platform that cut out everything but doing the actual patient care, I mean, that's extremely valuable for everybody involved, right? Yeah, almost a bolt, bolt-on menu of services, you know, EMR, RCM, GPO, group purchasing. Um, that'd be cool. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that that's in the in the long term. That's the goal. Now, that's interesting, right? That that people are innovating in lots of ways to move towards that, right? So, there, for example, we've seen the growth of direct primary care and direct specialty care. Mm-hmm. I practice. Right. That's a different practice model. And by the way, we have those folks in our offices, uh, in our locations. Um, so, in, in in King of Prussia, there's a practice of direct primary care that was, you know, just launched by a guy, a couple of guys who came out of residency and this is how they wanted to build their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we're sort of, we're very well suited to that because you can use only as much space as you actually need for practice building. That's really advantageous. But so nice. that kind of, in a kind of joint innovation, right? Innovation in, in the, the model of care and innovation in kind of the facilities in which the care is provided. And matching it with the directions medicine is heading or the desires physicians have, I guess you could say. Right. How about you? Now there's, um, you know, just a trend for hospitals to, uh, to buy practices and, you know, typically they're not buying it for the real estate. They're buying it for access to the patients. Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, you mentioned private equity earlier and that's another, um, uh, trend that's really, you know, really getting, becoming more and more rapid where, PE groups are purchasing private practices. And one of the reasons why doctors are motivated to sell, even if they you know, may not want to, is one, there's an opportunity to cash out. But I think more important than that is like there's a decrease in reimbursements mm-hmm. along with that administrative burden that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is they just don't want to run the practice. And then they see, you know, the, the fact that they're going to get um, 
bought out and get get a lump sum, and and they're they're more willing to do that. But um, Medco Share is an option for either to not have to worry about that, um, or you know if it is a practice that's uh, that's sold and still wants to be part of the Medco Share infrastructure, uh, they can they can do that. Mm-hmm. Even a <clears throat> post wreckage solution. So exactly. when private equities come in and, and really kind of screwed things up, it gives people a way to exit and get on their feet again. Right, right. And, you know, when private equity takes over, I mean, I think there's been reasonably well documented that they tend to squeeze a practice um, and becomes, you know, it becomes, again, even even harder to operate with some any degree of flexibility and autonomy. They had an article in JAMA just in December, uh, medical uh, complications increase 25% after private equity oh wow yeah it's it's right there (laughs) we all can read it it's crazy um you know i see this trend where uh people are wanting to work more like you said that you want to control your schedule and so i see how this fits like you know a lot of people just want to work prn part-time so and that's a huge trend i know physicians are finally starting to figure out that they can do what the nurse practitioners and the crnas and so forth have done for 10 and 20 years especially if if we don't own these practices you know, what's the point of working 70 hours per week in something that we don't have equity in? So this this fits really good with multiple trends that I see. Right. It does. Yeah. And the other option that you know we haven't really discussed is the ability to open a satellite location. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a doc wants to be part time um, in multiple different locations, we have that option. You know, the perfect example I'll give you is there's a cardiologist that we have and he started in our Philly location. He moved on to he added South Jersey and now he's adding King of Prussia. And so, you know, that option really, if you look at the traditional way of doing it, it's you would have to go and buy real estate in all three locations or you'd right. have a combination of leasing, buying or just straight up leasing. But it would be a lot uh, harder to do. Yeah, actually, the way that we've chosen our locations so far now, it's only been so far is we've chosen them so that they're about a half hour drive from each other. And right? so mm-hmm. you got Marlton, you got Fishtown and King of Prussia. So a provider, it's, it's feasible for them to kind of hit multiple patient markets mm-hmm. to be one day a week here, two days a week here, a day a week there, and maybe a day a week by tele. And there you've got a, you know, a practice that covers a lot of catchment area geographically and mm-hmm. a lot of flexibility for patients and for the physician. How about your team? Is it primarily real estate people or a mixture of yourself, Greg, and, and real estate? Yeah, so the good question. Um, so my background is commercial real estate. And, you know, that's where I kind of saw the need because I saw other co-working companies, uh, but they weren't in the medical space. They were just general office um, and nobody was doing it for medical. Um, but we have two other co-founders, uh, Amit Mundade and Anthony Khan. And they have a little bit of a real estate background. On top of that, they're one's an engineer and the other one's in, you know, has been in corporate project management for, for a long time. So I think we have a really strong team. And then obviously with Greg's uh, medical and you know, clinical expertise, um, him and his wife have been really like instrumental in us forming our business idea and like execution. My wife is a nurse practitioner. Um, and has a lot more sort of private, small practice experience than I do. Um, and we have uh, other folks on the team. So, you know, the way the team formed, 
Ronak and I went to business school together. Um, met in our cap, met in our first accounting class. Uh, then eventually ended up doing a capstone project together at uh, Temple's Fox School of Business, where we uh, wrote a business plan for a heart and vascular center uh, together with with a team. And then Ronak developed this idea, and we discussed it you know, after we graduated. And the team came together with, as Ronak says, two other folks. But we also have a lot of advisors and you know other members of the team who are are really critical. So, for example, one of our early clients is a cardiologist who's he's also an investor in the company now um but he's given us a lot of guidance on how to you know how to so my role is essentially is to kind of to to, to listen to to provide kind of the voice of the customer or understand the needs of healthcare providers and provide feedback about that but so we've got the folks doing the real estate um doing the operations project management uh, and then we've got other folks, you know, others who are the, the clinicians. So myself, uh, my wife, um, uh, Dr. George, who's one of the, the, the cardiologists I mentioned. Um, one of our other actually recent clients is also an investor. And, and we tap into our client community to make sure that we really understand what providers need and can deliver it to them. So, so uh, a point of clarification, investors, when, when someone invests in MedcoShare, do they own real estate or are they buying a piece of the company itself? And um, if you're buying, you know, obviously you'd get depreciation and you'd get a K1 and all those are great benefits. Tell me about that. Sure. So it's, it's not a piece of the real estate because we don't own. Um, we haven't purchased anything yet. Uh, you're essentially getting uh, equity into the company. And for us, our goal is to, to grow the company um, as much as we possibly can. And the return is really going to be from the growth. It, you know, we're not providing uh, dividends. So like I know in commercial real estate, that's a very typical way of doing things where you have a bunch of LPs and then you provide them uh, dividends into a deal. Um, for us, you know, growth is the most important thing. And then hopefully, uh, you know, there's an exit for, for everyone involved, uh, but that's been, you know, that's the strategy from day one. Can you talk about growth 2023? So here's been the growth trajectory so far. Let me just summarize it, right? So <clears throat> we opened our first location in, the, that was the Fishtown location, right mm -hmm. as the pandemic was starting, or yep. right as the pandemic was starting, actually, we signed the, the lease on it, and then we were, okay, well, we're committed. <clears throat> so as hard as it was to, you know, get permits and everything. We got the thing built, we launched it. And that first one, the first location took 14 months from launch to breaking even on a cash flow basis. The second location in Marlton, uh, we opened in, I think I want to say February, 2022. Is that right, Ronak? Or is it? Yep. Right. And that took eight months to go from opening to break even cash flow. Uh, the third location we opened last year in King of Prussia, um, and it's, I don't, I am trying to remember where we are at the moment, whether it's break, I think it's actually break even cash flow now, right? It's getting, it's getting close uh, to that. We, we've had um, pretty good momentum in the last couple of months. Um, so we're at, you know, three locations and then we launched the services part of it. So mostly marketing and staffing. And then in 2024, we're looking to open two to three more locations as well as do um, a seed round. 
It, well, so so right, it's it's the additional locations plus if we are able to to do to raise the funds to have full time dedicated staff focused on developing the services part of it. Um, so it kind of growth both in location numbers, so hopefully doubling the location numbers and um, doing the services. I think part of what could enable us to grow even faster is as we look ahead, moving from a model where, you know, it's primarily a lease that we take out as a mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. to a partnership model with landlords. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I learned about this from listening to a podcast, actually. Uh, I listened, I heard uh, Jamie Hidari from Industrious um, on a podcast talking about how, you know, if you take out a lease as a co-working company, you're taking essentially a lot of the risk because you're on the hook for the lease, no matter what your demand is. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and I didn't know this, you know, did you know that Marriott doesn't really own, for example, Marriott properties? Hmm. Hotels, essentially, yeah. So, so Marriott doesn't own Marriott hotels. Those are landlords that pay Marriott to manage that as a hotel, and then there's a revenue split. Mm -hmm. So that model for co-working is actually probably significantly better from a risk perspective, but also from a growth perspective, because typically then the cost of opening a location drops significantly. So as we shift towards that kind of model, we'll be able to sort of open more locations with the same amount of funds. So it seems like just, uh, let me ask this about the commercial market. Ronak, maybe you take this one with your background. Sure. So, you know, I see all on the news, Wall Street Journal, et cetera, this work from home phenomenon is not going away, at least a lot of it. And I see all of these office buildings just get slashed in their valuations and like, some of them in half or even more. And so there's some discussion of repurposing uh, these buildings into other things. But, you know, it, it seems like to me when everyone else is saying sell, sell, sell and the sky's falling, why not? Or what would be the downside to buying commercial space and then take advantage of, of what that offers to investors as well? So like now's the time to buy. Am I wrong? Well, you're not wrong, um, but I would say that, you know, any real estate, it's very localized. So there are some markets where, you know, the office market got hit really hard. Mm -hmm. But then there's other parts where it's not, um, it's actually not that bad. Um, as a commercial real estate investor, I've always preferred buying and owning. Mm -hmm. What happens is you just tie up more capital to that versus being able to like use that to spend on your business. Um, but if, you know, if we do see a good deal in an office building, um, I think we are willing to, to pull the trigger, uh, just because it's something that we know long-term, um, you can, if you can buy something pennies on the pennies on the dollar and hold it for really 10, 20 years, there could be a great return on that, uh, for, for everyone involved. Um, but you know, that's only if that right situation, right mm -hmm. option comes to us. Mm -hmm. We're not really seeking that out just because it would take more time capital. And, and capital to, to make that happen. I see. Yeah. I, I think from a, you know, if I had like in terms of growing value, 
because there are some positive network effects as we grow, you know, we, you, you can spread the cost of like, for example, practice management services over more, over more providers, or you can generate more internal referrals with a larger and more diverse network. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think network growth is probably a bigger value add than owning property. So that, 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 that's sort of my, my, at least intuitive, you know, I haven't modeled this, but, um, I think from a value add perspective, that makes more sense. Greg, from a referral standpoint, what if you have you know, two clients in the same building and they're both invested in Medco share, would there be issues with those referrals? If they're insurance, let's say they're, they're Medicare patients, any idea? Oh, you mean with respect to, um, Stark and just, just, just Stark laws. Yeah. Um, well, so as far as, you know, this is why we're, you know, they're not formally referred. These, this is a community, right? So yep. patients come in and, you know, the providers within the community can find each other. Um, so they can refer to anybody they want. Right. So uh, that, so I, I'm, I don't think we're in violation of Stark laws there. No, we're not. You know, we, we looked into this too. And because there are informal referrals, um, it's, it's perfectly fine. What about other services that aren't to the level of, of EMR and group purchasing, just like digital x-ray or lab Are those, how is that handled? Is that on the, on the provider or do you guys get involved there? We haven't gotten involved in that yet. So again, as a startup, we're really focused on what do our clients, what do our clients want? What are they asking for? Uh, so at this point, we don't have x-ray or labs on site, but if, well, actually, so some, a provider has x-ray on site, but there isn't a shared, a shared yeah. access to those resources. Yeah. But as, as we grow, you know, that means a bigger revenue stream to draw for capital and investment and also, you know, more use of services like that. And what our clients say they want first, that's what we'll do first, because we're really focused on basically making our providers happy. What's your total revenue run run rate so far, can you say? Um, we're approaching a million in, in gross revenue, and we're getting uh, close to break even. So we, we really wouldn't have a burn rate. No. Um, you know, we didn't have a burn rate last year, but then we opened another location. So there's this kind of ebb and flow of revenue and expenses. Um, but the the great thing about us is we're very um, just like fiscally minded to the point where, you know, we want to grow organically unless there's a big fundraise and then we can start opening more locations and double down on services a little bit faster. But we're doing things step by step. And that's a million dollars in what time frame? So we started in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so about four years. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, that's pandemic time too. Exactly. One year was uh, one, one year was out <laughs> yeah. right. for the whole globe. Yeah. How do you compare and contrast um, the experience of WeWork and then what yeah. you guys are doing? I can see that you know, this is a much far more tailored um, solution. And even though you're talking about doctors wanting to work part-time or I think there's still a more of an anchor to that business than you may have 
with what was happening with, with WeWork, where people might just pick up in a day and, and leave. Exactly. So the problem with WeWork is, you know, you don't necessarily need the space, right? You can always work from home or work from another office. Um, with medical, especially if you're, you know, seeing um, patients and doing procedures, you need to have that infrastructure. You can't just do it over, you know, telehealth. Um, so that's, you know, that's important for us to, um, uh, well, different, that's an important different differentiator from WeWork. Uh, but the other thing too is WeWork took out too large of spaces and too many locations. So they mm -hmm. almost like cannibalized their sales because of that. Like just in downtown Philly, there were three locations within walking distance of each other. And that's not what we're trying to do. You know, we understand the, the real estate portion of it, but the more important piece is how does this really help a practice? And then ultimately, how does it help the patients? So you want to be in different markets where it's, it's hub and spoke. Uh, the patients can come from different neighborhoods. Um, the doctors can get access to different demographics. Um, so when we do like site surveys, that's really important for us to is really understand what's that population like in that area and how can how can we best serve the patients? Because ultimately that's the customers for, for the docs, right? So, you know, at the end, we're gonna be a B2B to C company. And the only way to do that is to be in strategic locations. So just, just to add on to that, Ronak, you know, in terms of WeWork, so, Another thing that WeWork did, in addition to taking out big leases and and sort of taking on too much, yeah, is that they sank capital into companies and into investments that didn't really have any relationship to their core business. You know, you heard about things like them investing in, I don't know, gyms or you know, like athletic companies, for example. Um, we are going, we are investing specifically in services that are related to the core business, to the core needs of the providers. Uh, we, we got to stay focused there. Um, again, like I said, both because those are a more, you know, higher margin, they're value add, they're, they're emote, all of that. Um, but we're not going to, we, we're, we're really focused and it, uh, in that way. And Rodak, you mentioned a site survey to help you pick the sites. Tell me more about that and how you would pick a location outside of what you guys know, like Philly. Sure. So um, not all of the practitioners are um, work with uh, insurance companies, right? So some are cash pay. Uh, some practices are elective. So we have NPs that do Botox and IV hydration. Um, so because of that, you want to be in an area with a high disposable income. And so that that's one is, you know, does the patient population there um, have that need and is it, you know, and, and can they afford it? Um, the other thing is, what's the competition makeup? So how many other doctors are in the area? How many other hospitals? How many other urgent cares? So you want to be in an area that's that's growing, but that has a shortage of certain providers um, and so then that way you can kind of do an over under study to see, okay, what is, you know, overly populated or what's under, um, underly populated. And so that's another thing that we look at. Uh, number three is how many patients have uh, private insurance versus Medicare and Medicaid. So, you know, you want to have uh, a good amount of people that has private insurance. So that also helps the docs with, with their business. You don't want to be in a, 
declining sort of neighborhood um, that, uh, you know, just makes it harder for the docks, especially with reimbursements going down. And so we want to make sure that it's going to be viable for the long term for, for them as well. Seems like there are several startups that are direct physician access, cash pay, um, that are launching. It seems like if you had a network of those those companies that you supported, it seems like that might drive your your growth strategy. Yeah, and we have a few of those already, so it, it's definitely helping. Yeah, we've got a couple of those in town. I want to ask a real specific point here. You've got. Uh, so you've got five different practitioners coming in in a week in one office. You provide uh, medical waste disposal, medical record storage. You're discussing making it more turnkey with like EMR, et cetera. What, what if any, a liability does Medco Share have in supporting the practitioners? Or has this been looked at from an attorney that said, hey, you know, the clinicians are doing their own thing and they have all of the liability? Or do you have some sort of protection with insurance policy for Medco share for that purpose. So, yeah. So because we haven't got into the practice management, all the physicians are essentially doing their own thing. So we don't have access to their patients. Um, mm -hmm. all, everything is done electronically. So through the cloud where, you know, we don't have access to that. Um, we try to keep it, the two businesses separate. So while we maintain the space and the operations of it, we don't get involved with, um, anything that has to do with their practice just mm -hmm. yet. Obviously marketing is separate mm -hmm. um, staff. You know, we sign agreements between us and the, and the, and the docs if they want to do that. Um, and then they also have to provide their own insurance. So liability and, you know, all the insurance uh, that you need to, to run a practice, we, we verify that and we make sure that we're additionally insured as well to just have that, um, uh, to de-risk that situation. So, and it's not something that I've ever had to think about, but the MAs, they, do they carry their own malpractice or is that provided through Medco share? That's through us. I see. Any particular towns that you're looking at that you can divulge or is that company secret at this point? No, I, th I think there's a lot of great markets. Um, I mean, you guys are in Memphis. I heard Nashville is doing phenomenally well. Um, probably Memphis as well, but we've been looking at Florida, uh, Texas, and then up and down the Northeast corridor. So, you know, Greg's in Boston and I'd love to have just a chain of locations from Philadelphia all the way to, to Boston. Um, and then the DC market is another great market. So DC, Maryland, Virginia, um, West coast, there's a few other operators on the West coast, but there's nobody in Washington. There's nobody in Oregon. There's nobody in Nevada. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, how many players there are in the space, I would say there's about less than 15. So there's a lot of room for growth. So when you say that that's 15 competitors to Medco share, I wouldn't call them direct competitors just yet. Um, but there are 15 other, I think there's less than 15 other companies that doing uh, what we're doing on the real estate side, mm -hmm. but we're also focusing on the services, which really makes us makes us stand out because um, very few of them are doing that. Right, right. I think from a from a kind of a landscape point of view, what's interesting is that this is this this feels like the the beginning of the inflection curve upward, right? So for years there was like the one company in Arizona and there was one company in New York, and and uh, you know doing 
medical co-working. And now there's a couple in New York and they've, they're, you know, some have popped up in Texas, California, um, uh, DC, you know, um, some other places, but, but, but what's happening is, you know, and we, we are, we think of this as somewhat analogous to the urgent care sort of situation, right? Urgent cares for a long time. There were a few of them around and then the industry took off. And of course now, you know, you see them everywhere. We think that there's a potential for a similar sort of phenomenon here where it was just a few and now a bunch have sprung up of, you know, not, not a bunch, but like, like Ronak said, you know, maybe sort of a dozen or so. Um, and, um, you know, as people recognize that, you know, I'll tell you the biggest challenge at the beginning, especially it's getting a little bit easier is that people just don't even know that this is an option. Right. Right. So providers don't know that this is a way you can practice. And so it was really hard, you know, that that's probably still, frankly, our biggest sort of selling challenge and marketing challenge. Yeah. That's such a good point, Greg. My, my wife's a nurse and she's talked about becoming an aesthetic tician. But one of the things that's a barrier to entry to that is all of the scale up to get there. Like she could go to the courses, six week courses, learn how to do the Botox, yeah. all of these things. But where is she going to practice? And then what? Where is she? And exactly right. Exactly right. So, so this is a, re a really good solution for someone that wants to, to, to not have the upfront cost. Right. Um, now, talking about places. That was actually one of our first. Uh, sorry, sorry, Jeff, to interrupt. But that was actually one of our first clients in our Fishtown office was a, a nurse practitioner yeah. who does these, you know, who does aesthetic procedure, medical aesthetic procedures. And right. this was like, and, and was, it was able to start and grow and scale, you mm -hmm. know, with her, with her, with her uh, patient uh, volume. So that leads me to the next question. Uh, you guys are looking at a, a new uh, a raise. Tell me about the terms of the raise. If you can, what that's going to look like, what you'll use the funds for and what an investor can get for their money. Sure. So it's, it's a $2 million uh, seed round. Um, half of that is going to go to opening more locations. And then uh, a large portion of that will also be going to the services piece. Um, in terms of why this is, I think, very attractive to investors, especially investors in, um, in healthcare, is they already see where trends are going. Um, mm -hmm. So if we're able to scale this nationwide, which no other company has so far, and we're the first to market to be able to do that, there's significant upside for us to not only capture the brand name for, you know, uh, for docs, but then also like, you know, maybe mergers or acquisition or, or a bunch of different exit opportunities. Um, so I think this is a, you know, a great time to be able to, to do that. Um, Greg, anything you want to add to that? I mean, you know, as far as the raise goes, I mean, we're splitting it this way for the, you know, opening locations and service development. I guess the other part that we haven't mentioned is, is staffing. You know, as we grow, you know, the founding team it becomes, you know, we, it's not enough to have just a founding team and a few early employees. We're going to have to staff up. So mm -hmm. that's what the uh, that's what the raise is going towards. Right. And can one of you more specifically describe you're raising two million, but that's at what valuation? And is this a convertible note or investors getting equity? And, and give me some more detail on that. Sure. So it's a 15 million pre money valuation and we've raised uh, via safe for everything so far. Um, so we could do that or you know, if somebody wants to come in with a significant 
amount, um, we can talk different options as well. Uh, but the way we've marketed thus far is through uh, through safes. Excellent. Well, you guys, I'm really happy you joined us today. It sounds like you've got a perfectly scalable, hopefully soon to be turnkey solution for allied health professionals needing part-time or full-time clinical office space without the upfront, upfront cost of staffing or long-term leases. Did I describe that accurately? You did. That's perfect. That's right. Well, with that, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Dr. Greg Goldmacher and Ronak Vias from MedcoShare. That's the Merge Medical Podcast. We're out. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great one. Thank, thank you. you.